Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sophie, and this is She's All Fat, the podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. Welcome to the Time Capsule, episode two. In case you missed it, before our team started working on the Staying In series we just put out, we were actually halfway through working on an entirely different season five. We'd booked guests, recorded interviews, and mixed audio. But then COVID happened, and suddenly everything recorded before March felt completely irrelevant. Now, after our COVID season, these never-released episodes have somehow become this frozen-in-time artifact of the time before the international pandemic currently guiding our entire lives, a time capsule, and we want to share them with you. They feel a little less weird than they did before. So instead of having a break between seasons like we usually do, we'll be in your feed every Thursday this month with another time capsule episode. Then before you know it, we'll be on to season six. Today's release is an episode we worked really hard on, inspired by the place where diet culture and bullet journals meet. We brought on friend of the pod, Whitney Catalano, to get educated, and we reached out to our pal again for a little quarantine update. Hey, Sophie. Hey, she's all fat. This is Whitney Catalano, and I was asked to come update you all on what I've been doing since I talked to Sophie in March and uh, share any tips and tricks for any of you all who are struggling in quarantine and then also um, any ideas about tracking time during the pandemic. So these are the three things I'm going to mention today, but it's so funny. I don't even, I literally don't even know where to start because I have changed everything since March, literally everything since March. I went through a spiritual awakening. I don't, I really don't know how else to say it. Um, starting kind of in March actually, and it evolved over time. And, you know, I learned new things about myself every day, pretty much, which I don't, if any of you are experiencing that, you probably know what I'm talking about, but yeah, I ended up, uh, giving back the advance on my book and calling it quits on that, tearing down my whole business. I don't even have a new website yet to showcase my new business or to direct you to, but you can go find me on Instagram at Whitney Catalano. I changed my Instagram handle. I used to be Trust Your Body Project. Now I'm at Whitney Catalano. And yeah, it's just been a wild ride. Basically what I do now is I help creatives, healers, spiritual leaders, people who feel called to help others. Um, I help you heal all of your stuff and learn how to create success for your brain, your body, your energy levels, and, you know, serve people really powerfully, um, and break free from a lot of the limitations and the shoulds and the capitalist structures that we are conditioned to follow and believe in and really hold a lot of us creatives and healers back from fully thriving because, you know what, we're entering into a time when 
we all need to be in this together. And so the more of you who feel called to help others, the more that you're able to get out of your own way and heal all of the stuff that you've been through so that you can move forward really powerfully and help others heal in the same way that you have, I mean, I just think it's beautiful. So that's what I'm doing now. And it's a new adventure every day, let me tell you. It is really interesting that I was asked to come on here and talk about um, <laughs> tips and tricks for anyone struggling in quarantine. I mean, first of all, yeah, it's, it's a struggle for sure. I have found it so, so, so helpful to create a, I, I literally write my to-do list in my calendar now and set aside like two tasks that I have to do each day and sometimes they don't get done that day sometimes they do but this helps me you know break things down into chunks and even if it takes me longer to get things done it just feels more manageable and it's all in my calendar so I know what I need to do that day when I'm looking at my schedule as opposed to having to look at a to-do list and a separate planner and all of these things it, that just gets so overwhelming and I end up not really keeping up with the planner or what have you so that is my two cents on that. I have not figured out how to plan my time yet. I will let you know if I do. That is something that I would really like to learn. But <laughs> I think in quarantine, it's fair to say that this we're all doing our best. And so if you can get one or two things done each day that you're able to and have only you know a few things done during the week, then that is really gonna be the way that you can manage your time effectively and not feel so overwhelmed. I think a lot of times when we get in this sort of, I don't know about you all, but I get on a like a high of planning and I get so excited and so organized and it definitely is synced up with the moon, my moon cycles, I'm sure. But I get so on this like, oh yeah, I can do it all and it's gonna be amazing. And then I try to do like 40 things in a week and I realized that's why I was feeling so overwhelmed is because I was trying to do too much in a week and trying to ride that high that I get. And then when I get into the lulls of the month where I feel really like lethargic and can't focus, then I I just have all of this stuff that's traveling with me and it's just, it's too much. So one, I think learning your energy cycles, learning how you go through highs and lows as well, because energy is cyclical, is going to be really, really helpful for you. And two, not putting too much on your plate. The other thing I would say for those of you struggling in quarantine, I don't know about y'all, but I really struggle with checking my email. Like, wow, I almost need to hire someone just to check my email for me because it is so overwhelming and I cannot explain why. So I have made it a point to check my email actually at night because that's when I feel the least anxious, <laughs> which is strange. Maybe for some of you, it's first thing in the morning, but for me, it's at night. And I usually only check my email like twice a week, which, yeah, maybe I'm not getting back to people quick enough, but... It is what it is. We're, we're, we're doing our best out here. Those are my tips for you all. The other thing, get outside. Seriously, get outside. Put your feet in the ground, your bare feet in the real ground, not on cement, not on concrete, you know, like in the real ground once a week if you can. I know that that might be complicated for some of you, especially for those of you living in cities, but it has been really helpful for me to just go find some grass in Hollywood, which is, you know, a little sketchy, but it 
it is what it is and put my feet in the ground. It's simple, but it is so, so, so powerful and has been something that really helps when I'm having a bad mental health week. So I hope you all are doing all right, making through and taking care of yourselves in the way that you need. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you all. Come find me on Instagram. Feel free to ask me any questions you have about my business or anything. I am really good with DMs actually. And yeah, love you all. Bye, Sophie. Miss you. Thanks, Whitney. Down for the episode. If this was This American Life, I would be like, okay, moving to act one of our program. Act one, why talk about tracking? But it's not. So I'll just use uh, my normal voice. I found out about bullet journaling a few years ago when Rachel Miller at BuzzFeed wrote about it. She now has a book out about bullet journaling if you're into checking it out. I thought, oh man, that looks so calming and like her life is totally under control. I got really into bullet journaling and I've tried for literal years to make a bullet journal stick. Basically what happens every time I try to start one is I spend a bunch of time researching which designs and washi tapes and layouts I think are pretty and I draw one for a month and I make it look great and then um, I never use it. I maybe make a few entries into the pages I created to track which books I'm reading or whatever and then I dip the fuck out and I go right back into having a big unmanageable to-do list and nothing is tracked quote unquote correctly in my pretty tracker and I start to feel guilty and unmanageable and overwhelmed. And after a while, I finally realized Um, this is giving me big diet feels like big Weight Watchers old school tracking on the trifold paper tracker feels like big. I ate what I think is too much cake, but if I write it down, at least I'm confessing to it, but I'm afraid to write it down feels. And that did not seem like a good path to go down. In a minute, Whitney's going to tell me why I felt that way. Stay with us. So I'm Whitney Catalano, and I help people stop dieting and take the power back from their inner bully and learn to have confidence and peace with their bodies and themselves. And I also do a lot of shame work now. So this is new since the last time I was on, but I do a lot of like shame work around, you know, being seen and going after your goals because shame is the core of all of this. Dang. Yeah. Our premier, what is it? Dietitian? nutritionist. I don't know what the difference is. So a dietitian is, I have credentials and a nutritionist is like anyone. Anyone. I'm a nutritionist. Yeah. Cool. Dana's a nutritionist. (laughs) Like Zora's a nutritionist. Cool. Yeah. Last time we had Whitney on the show, we were talking about fat changes, about the guilt and shame associated with weight fluctuations, about how we try to control our bodies to take charge of our lives, about how we perceive our parents' expectations and about how fatphobic culture links fatness with a lack of self-control. Control sounds familiar. If only there was an app for that. See where I'm going? That's why I wanted to talk to Whitney again. So when I was first thinking about this topic, it's because I have been trying and failing to bullet journal for like three years. <laughs> Same. And I can't tell if some of it's because like it's not 
meant for an ADHD brain, <laughs> like to both do and fill out the bullet journal. Right. But one of my friends is really good at hers and she definitely also has ADHD. So I don't know. It like definitely had a lot of feelings for me about like wanting to track what I'm doing and mm-hmm. like wanting to set up a plan for stuff. And then the feeling of like failing at it mm. and like tracking and then failure is like a diet feel, big diet feels yeah. for me. Big shame feels. Yeah. Yeah. Does that resonate for you at all? Yes. I think that would resonate for most of my clients as well, because most, myself included, but most of my clients tend to be overachievers, but chronically failing overachievers in recovery. So we're constantly working on like removing that shame piece of not doing enough. And I feel like bullet journaling kind of goes in that as well, because you set out to have this bullet journal that you're going to keep up with. You're going to put all your tasks in and all the stuff. And if you miss a day or miss a week or whatever, it's like this all or nothing mentality where it's, it's all screwed up. You yes. can't, you know, that's it. <laughs> it's totally. Over. I think this is a big ADHD feeling of being like, well, if I just get it right, then like, I'll keep it right for forever. Right. And like that never happens, mm-hmm. but that was also a big diet feeling for me. There's also ways in which counting, even about food stuff, can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, people who have diabetes have to count, like, sugar shit and, like, keep track of that, you know? (laughs) Like, they have to track that. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is so separate. I'm not diabetic, but it it could feel similar to the way I feel about gluten Mm. where it's like, it's for a medical reason. So it doesn't live in my head in the same place as cutting food out or tracking food for a different reason would, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas like before when I would ask about ingredients and something, I'd be thinking like, what, how much dressing does the salad have? How much cheese does this have? And now I'm just like, I don't want to shit my brains tonight. So like, can you tell me what's in this? (laughs) You know, it's like a totally different sensation. Well, this is where shame comes in. Yes. Yes. I don't have any shame about not being able to eat gluten. Right. Just like like my body can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When there's shame involved around, oh, I'm out of control. I'm trying to control myself. I'm trying to hit my calories, hit my macros, whatever it is. That in itself is not ever going to be long term because Mm -hmm. shame is not a good catalyst for change ever. Yes. And you're going to rebel against shame. Like that's just what it is. So there's definite ways that tracking can be based on shame. That's mm-hmm. like resonates with me very clearly. And that like tracking can feel like a way to either punish or like exculpate yourself or something like that. Mm-hmm. What are ways that you've seen tracking in clients in like a positive way? I imagine that tracking might be helpful for things like habits. I know that mood tracking can be really, really helpful for certain people. So, okay, today I left the house. Today I worked out. Today I did this. And not like I have to work out every day. It's just sometimes moving your body when it's really helpful for your mental health, but you've got mental health things that you're trying to navigate. Like it's not always at the top of the priority list. And so being able to say, oh, wait, I haven't moved my body in a couple days. That's probably why. I'm not feeling the best, or maybe that's That why. feels more like noticing. Exactly. You're an observer yes. of whatever's going on. And instead of, like, trying to control so much. Exactly. I feel that difference in terms of, like, if I'm trying to, like, control my emotional reaction to something, just trying to control it spirals into even more of that feeling. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm, like oh, I notice myself having this feeling, yeah. it all of a sudden becomes way easier to like calm down. Mm-hmm. As if I'm instead stuck in, 
oh my God, like, I know, I know I don't want to be anxious about this. I'm working on boundaries. Like, why should I be anxious about this? Blah, blah, blah. Then I like spiral into something. Yeah. That's the concept that I teach a lot in sort of everything I do. Managing versus surrendering to your emotions. Mm -hmm. So when we try to manage our emotions, we end up creating more of the emotion that we're trying to like control and fix and manage. When you surrender to your emotions, you say, you know what, this is the emotion I'm having today. Like it, it is what it is. It actually goes away pretty quickly. When I worked to figure out what I couldn't eat, Mm -hmm. tracking that food so that I could match up. So I could be like, here's what I ate and here's how I felt. Mm -hmm. Like literally with the person I worked with, it took me three months just to get into tracking. Mm -hmm. Like it took so long because I was so stressed out by it. Yeah. I have this like mini course called Five Pillars of Food Freedom. And so in the hunger and fullness section, I always share the hunger and fullness log here it is. This is your energy level before you ate. This is your energy level after you're tracking maybe symptoms if you're concerned about that. And you're tracking your hunger and fullness rating for three days maximum. It's different when you have to do an elimination diet because mm-hmm. it tends to be for multiple weeks, yes. if not longer. So this is, I always say three days maximum. And if you're not ready, you're not ready, period, end of sentence. And if it gives you anxiety to think about it, you're just not ready and set that boundary for yourself and yeah. come back to it. Yeah. Using that kind of tool to track that would be such a different experience. Mm -hmm. Like those are the things I had to relearn for myself, Right. you know, of being like, I don't even know if I'm hungry or not. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if I'm just feeling something, Mm -hmm. not in terms of like, oh, I'm emotionally eating, but just like I had for so long, like used food as a silencing tool for myself Mm -hmm. that like, it took me a really long time to and I'm something I'm still working on to be like, am I full? Yeah. Am I hungry? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do I feel? Like sometimes you don't know. And there's a lot of actually connection between people with ADHD and poor interoceptive awareness. Really? Yeah. So there's actually people with ADHD actually have higher rates of binge eating disorder and I high, know that. Mm-hmm, and higher prevalence of eating disorders in general. Mm. Not really sure why. I haven't like looked into it much deeper than just sort of checking out the landscape. And it's interesting because that seems to be a connection and also just between emotional regulation and interoceptive awareness for those listening. Interoception is a like a sense. It's considered a sense and it's our ability to feel things like hunger, fullness, the fact that you have to pee, the fact that you might be getting a fever. If you're feeling a little bit like man, something's going on in your body, it's the connection in your body that tells your brain like, hey, something's off. Yeah. And go deal, go get it back to where it needs to be. Yeah, if you don't have good interoceptive awareness or you have a history of disordered eating that has disconnected you Uh from your interoceptive awareness, it takes a long time to retrain that. Whenever I get grumpy, Victor's always like, are you hungry? Yeah. (laughs) That's like the first thing. Because I don't, I always forget. Well, remember when you and I talked about that? Yes. You were like, I sometimes don't, I feel like I forget to eat and then I get so cranky. Yes. (laughs) And then every time you got into a Twitter battle, I'd be like, eat something (laughs) literally I need it because it's always I'm like tired or hungry Mm. or like something that I'm like I'm so much more in touch with my emotions than I am with my body sometimes Mm -hmm. like I'm much more aware of what I'm feeling emotionally I forget to check if I'm physically feeling something too because I'm used to just being like ignore And because a lot of times I do have to ignore my body. Just from having chronic illness stuff, sometimes I'm in pain or I'm uncomfortable. And it's not that I'm like, 
push through as much as I'm like, okay, the pain level or whatever discomfort level is not high enough that I don't want to try to do something today. So I have to like feel what it is and then be like, okay, and keep go on with my day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to both do that and still be aware of what's going on. You learning to ignore chronic pain or a chronic illness or whatever is actually just your body doing its job. A good example is if we're lying in bed or sitting in this chair. If you don't move, you will stop noticing the things that you're touching because Mm -hmm. it's no longer helpful for us to notice those things. Yes. Because the body's looking for changes. It's not looking for things that are kind of at a static state. Mm. So if you have sort of an underlying condition or you're frequently dealing with pain or something, there's a level that your body's like, "Uh uh-uh, we got to fix this. And then there's a level where it's like, "Eh, eh, yes, leave it, like ignore it. So that would get in the way of your ability to connect with your body and tune into it. That makes sense. I find that one of the things that can be really helpful for people is before connecting to your body or trying to notice hunger and fullness on a physical kind of stomach level, because oftentimes, you know, I have clients who won't get physically hungry in their stomach for like two days because they have such a long history of anorexia or eating disorders of any kind. And so it's just really got really messed up. And attention span can be a really good hunger cue. Thoughts of food. So the minute you sort of think about food is a good early hunger cue. Okay, I'm thinking about food. And that's the ironic part about, you know, dieting because you're like always thinking about food because you're always hungry. (laughs) So if you're thinking about food, that's a really good early cue that you can use that isn't quite connection with your body. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like I'm always thinking about (laughs) I also just like food. So I'm always like, what do I get to eat for dinner? Yeah. But, you know, if you're eating enough throughout the day and actually sitting down to eat full meals, like three really grounding, nourishing meals that are big and like on a plate in front of you, you will think about other things in between and then come back to food when you're getting ready. Yeah, that's true. I do that for sure. Yeah. I think it's just like a hard, it's like a thing that I, a lot of people probably wish they had more info on like Mm -hmm. some of this stuff feels very just kind of out of my grasp a little bit Mm -hmm. and I think that's where for me the compulsion to track things comes from is from being like well I want to know what's going on like I want to understand what's going on yeah and as if like writing something down could like fully help me understand it can help you give a lot of information yeah people are so riddled with shame that Mm -hmm. it's like there is no separation between noticing what's going on in your body noticing your habits noticing like what you do throughout the day or your mood or whatever and shaming yourself for everything you think that is not right yes if you can remove the shame then you're golden you know but it's the shame that's really getting in the way and the the pressure to change something just because you notice it Mm. start by noticing it first and foremost give it some time before you actually start to change things because yeah change takes time when I can just notice my feelings is when I can dissipate them Mm -hmm. so much more easily exactly interesting yeah I don't have any practice writing things down to track them without the intention of changing them I don't think the intention to change is a bad thing Mm -hmm. I think that for a lot of people, there is no intention to change without shame. And the minute that you notice something that you don't like or isn't serving you, it has to change right the second or you're a failure. Yeah. That's not how this works. Yeah. Like if you study public health behavior change at all, you'll know that like actual behavior change takes time. It takes going back to old patterns. It takes observation before you can make any meaningful change. And it takes also having incentive to change. If there's something that you're doing every day that you're tracking, not food, but just anything, right? And 
you don't like it, it's not serving you, but you can't seem to change it, it's likely serving you in some way that you're not even realizing. Mm. So give yourself the benefit of the doubt that the things that you're doing are serving you. And if you want to change something, like be patient with yourself, be really gentle, be an observer and see if there's ways that you can go about it from a super self-compassionate place of like, this might take some time. That's okay. I'm not in this to like become the perfect person tomorrow. That's not what we're here for. I think goals in general can feel really dangerous to someone who has dieting history, honestly. Mm-hmm. When, when I see people in the Facebook group talk about exercise, a lot of people will start by that by saying like, I don't know how to exercise without making it a goal. You know, like, I don't know how to exercise without the goal of losing weight or the goal of fitness or something. Mm -hmm. And it does feel so weird the first two few times you go and you're like, I'll just uh, lift a weight. Yeah. Like, it's like confusing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it takes a really long time. At least it took me a long time to feel like, oh, yeah, I can just go and do 20 minutes, whatever I want. And then I can come home. Mm hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Part of it's just like get out of the house, you Mm -hmm. know, notice what it's doing for you other than that. Right. But I think tracking for me, tracking would really disrupt that. Even if I wanted to track the times I went to the gym, not obviously not for weight loss, like I'm not doing any of that in years, but in terms of like, oh, I know that my mental health is better if I go to the gym. Mm -hmm. I still think that would be really triggering for me right now to, to track it. Yeah. Because I think I wouldn't hit my goal, whatever. I would set up a goal, and then I wouldn't hit the goal some week. And instead of being like, that's fine, I would be like, no, I have to be perfect. Right. There are some things that you might just not be able to track. Yeah. And that's just what it is. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. There's you got to find new ways. One of my favorite things to track is the self-deprecating thoughts in my head, the shame Mm. thoughts. I love tracking my bully thoughts because I can write them down as if it's a character in a script and be like, oh, there she is. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm." and then it feels less true and more just like, oh, my God, she's back. What do you do with them after you write them down? I just look at them. You know, if I have them going on, sometimes what I'll do is I'll for a week I'll track, okay, what were my thoughts like Mm. that week? And so Monday, my thoughts were like this. Tuesday, my thoughts were like this. And it helps me break up some of the bad thoughts because I'm able to be like, oh, wait, my thoughts weren't all just, you suck, you're never going to be successful. Like (laughs) some of them were, oh, you're doing pretty good today. You know, but we focus so much on the bad that it's really nice to kind of see all of it. The other thing I do is I just literally make scripts. So I'll track what my inner bully likes to say because it morphs over time depending mm-hmm. on what sort of inner work I'm doing. Then it'll change and move on to something else. And I'm like, that's new. Like, I didn't know I had to feel bad about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's nice to just have it down on paper because then I can open it at my desk and be like, oh, right. Okay, time to leave. Like, time to get out of my apartment for a hot yeah. sack. You know, take a second. Like, you don't need to be listening to this right now or sitting at your computer, like, freaking out about something. That's amazing. Something. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. But enough about me and Whitney, right? JK, it's my podcast. But for real, we heard from a lot of you about your experiences with tracking and control with bullet journaling or freestyle living, and it gave us a lot to think about. I wanted some help with that thinking, so Whitney and I are going to talk about some of what we heard. First, let me play a voice memo we got from a Hannah that really mirrored my own experience. Hey, she's all fat. It's Hannah here from Australia. Hello from Down Under. I had a few thoughts on productivity and habit tracking and being someone with a disordered eating, eating disorder history. That was definitely something that I did for a really long time. I find that after... Um, I recovered or while I've been in recovery, I should say that I do have a habit to want to do habit trackers, be that be apps or bullet journals, etc. Because I am a more type A obsessive personality. If I miss a day or if I don't continue the habit um, or if I'm not doing it as frequently as I deemed acceptable, then I feel like I failed and I'm kind of putting myself in that good, bad kind of conundrum that I was in during my eating disorder history. So for now, I'm not doing habits just because I can be obsessive with it and it's something that isn't really helpful to me. I kind of just am focusing on what makes me happy because for a really long time, I was very rigid in what I had to do or should do. So goal setting like that doesn't really work for me, but I'm sure it does work for others. That's so crazy. She said it almost exactly the same way I did. Mm -hmm. The first thing that came to mind with that is... If that's you, that's a really good sign, you know, exactly what she's doing. It's like, you know what? I don't think this is going to be helpful for me right now. Yeah. But then also, if you want to track something because you're just genuinely curious about it, give yourself like a week maximum. Don't try to do it every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. I think we get caught up in like, we have to do this every day for the rest of my life. And this is the thing. But I think that's a lot of that is from diet mentality for sure. For me, at least, because I spent so much time being like, once I get thin, then X, Y, Z will happen. And it was a lot of like, once I achieve this goal, then these other things will happen. And honestly, that was true in other parts of my life too. Like I was like, once I get into Stanford, X, Y, and Z, and Mm -hmm. I achieved that goal. And then like, I've literally never had another goal that I, was so discreet Mm. that I achieved. Yeah. (laughs) The XYZ didn't really happen, but that didn't really matter at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, then I'll move to New York and write for the New Yorker. That's not, it's not (laughs) on the way. There's very few times when you set a goal, like that's big and kind of ineffable like that Mm -hmm. and achieve it. I think those big goals are interesting because oftentimes we set intentions for ourselves, like in career and things like that, that we don't realize that we're achieving the goals that we set out to achieve. Uh Like you set out to start a podcast and then you did. Right. You set out to start a new season and you did. Right. You know, so you don't even realize how many goals you're actually achieving because they were never framed. Well, sometimes it doesn't feel like it counts unless I feel like it's going to be really, 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 really hard. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like you're the only one making it hard on yourself. Yeah. You know, I'm all about like, how can you make your life easier? (laughs) Like that's my (laughs) whole. And I had to, pay a boatload of money to work with a coach to tell me that yeah and then I was like oh that makes sense (laughs) like I don't I'm the only one making it hard I don't know I feel like I have a lot of stuff built up and like proving someone wrong Mm -hmm. like that's much more motivational than doing something for myself right yeah which is 
backwards. Right. Because who cares? Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And if you were like, why do you care what that person thinks? I'd be like, I don't. I just, I I don't know. You know? No, exactly. I think it's hard because a lot of us dieters and, you know, perfectionists in general tend to have the story that we let ourselves down all the time. So it's like if we can do it for someone else, then it's a little bit more motivating. You know, I always hear like I can do things for other people. I can never do things for myself realistically speaking like that's what science shows us that we are motivated by other people more than we tend to be motivated for ourselves but you know be careful when like you're accomplishing other people's goals or you're accomplishing like other people's dreams and not your own yeah I think this is honestly just all a big part of me being like a recovered achievaholic or whatever Mm -hmm. just being like more focused on trying to be in tune with what I actually want which is super hard to do if you're someone who was motivated by like grades or whatever for a long time yeah as someone who now very much believes like productivity doesn't is not like a goal and yet I still have trouble not feeling shame when I'm not constantly doing things so in that way I'm also very wary of tracking when I track things the healthiest way for me is definitely to just be like tracking in a noticing way Mm -hmm. but it's so hard to do that without turning it into a goal then the tracking itself almost becomes the goal oh yeah totally you know when it was just meant to be a tool for observation yeah meant to be this big goal I can find ways to be disappointed in myself about anything. Right. Shame is a hell of a drug. Yeah. (laughs) It truly is. It's hard to break down some of those things and be like, why am I doing this? Mm Mm-hmm. So a big think for me was this. What if there's something I need to track or want to track and putting that down in a bullet journal or on an app feels like an automatic equation that equals failure, spiraling, dieting triggers... A lot of messages we got from the family shared that anxiety or even that experience of trying out a bullet journal and spiraling into a very familiar self-loathing. Whitney told me that's okay. It's just something you have to know about yourself. Your relationship with your body does not have to conclude with you being totally chill with bullet journals or activity logging or whatever. If you have to track blood sugar or if you like to write down the days you moved your body or if you don't want anything to do with numbers or journals, here's the important thing. You want to be an observer of your life and your body, not a critic. It's like intuitive eating, right? Oh, I notice that I feel hungry. No judgment. Then you eat. Whitney calls this alignment, being in tune with yourself. But this is particularly hard for people with a history of disordered eating or cereal dieting. I'm still working on my alignment personally. Okay, can we talk a little bit more about the connection between wanting to track things and shame? Yeah. Like I said before, I think that it's one of those things where we get so in our heads about, oh, we don't know, we're uncontrollable, we're out of control, we're we're mindless, we're doing all these things that make us bad people. I think part of the problem too is you're watching like YouTubers or Instagram influencers or whoever who seem to have these really perfect aesthetically pleasing lives. Hey everyone, it's Amanda. Welcome back to my channel. So today I'm going to be doing my 2020 bullet journal setup. That just sounds so great, doesn't it? Like 2020. It's such a satisfying year. Hopefully it'll be a great one as well. I realized the other day that this is going to be my fourth year bullet journaling. Content creators are content creators for a reason. They are often aesthetically prone just in general. They tend to be sort of, they like aesthetics, they like editing, they like whatever. And so they have the time and the energy to be putting into like, oh, I'm going to make this video about tracking and I'm going to do this thing. So then you're getting all of that input plus all the input of like, if you don't have a morning routine, if you don't have this, this and that, then 
like, you must be an unproductive mess of a human. Yes. Just the idea of an optimized life in general. Exactly. And then so many of us are dealing with not knowing how to regulate our emotions. Whether you struggle with a diagnosed mental health condition or not, so many of us have a lot of suppressed emotions that we then try to regulate other areas of our life Mm. as a way of dissociating from emotions, dissociating from things that feel messy, dissociating from shame because your parents told you that you were never going to finish something or that you were a bad student or whatever when you were eight and you're holding on to that into your 30s, right? Like there's all these stories that we have built up and then we try to control and micromanage in every area of our life as a way of not dealing with the stories underneath and not dealing with the shame and the self-esteem issues and the self-worth issues underneath. And it just creates this vicious cycle because whatever story is underneath that's kind of driving these behaviors are just showing up again and again of like, oh, I'm not good enough. Look at me. I didn't do this thing again. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. So it's it's vicious. What can people do if they feel like they're in that space? I mean, I think for starters, and you kind of heard it with all the people just being like, I can't bullet journal. Let yourself be out of control. Because you have to just like lean into it and let yourself do the very thing that you're afraid of. Well, if you're sitting here like talking back to me right now at this episode and saying, no, 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 I am always out of control and I'm a mess. Like, da, 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 da. like chances are you're not actually letting yourself be out of control. Yeah. I used to tell people when I was sort of going through really like deep healing work that I was under construction. I was like, I have caution tape around me. I'm under construction. I'm not available for your emotional support. I'm not available for like literally anything human. What I'm doing is I'm crying about things that I probably shouldn't be crying about. And I am just not working out. I'm not, you know, eating, quote, well. I'm not doing any of the things that I'm, quote, supposed to be doing. I'm just like a full wild animal right now. Yeah. And I'm just going to trust that it'll work itself out. And it was so fun to lean into that rebellion because, you know, you want to rebel anyway. So just like lean into it and then find your way back to a middle. Like, okay, so there's... Leaning into the chaos response. Yeah. And there's like being like, okay, what is, what would things be like if I were out of control? Mm-hmm. Like trying that out. I think a lot of people will be like, well, I have a job. I can't like be fully chaotic. It's like, sure, but you could be it in like some areas. Like what if you let yourself eat whatever you wanted for like a whole week? Right. You know, or something like that. So what if I want to work on it in the way that's like the way we were talking about before where the more that I can notice things, the more I can feel neutral about them. Mm -hmm. But I have to be actually just noticing them instead of trying to control or change them. Exactly. Can you give me like an exercise for the next week of something that I can work on to try to change my relationship with tracking in general? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because actually leaning into the chaos for most people doesn't actually mean that anything changes in your life. What it means is that you give yourself a break in Mm -hmm. your head. Yeah. (laughs) Like nothing's different. Yeah. And yet you just give yourself a freaking break. Yeah. Permission. Permission. Exactly. Unconditional permission to just be where you're at. And so one of the things that I often um, have my clients do is, okay, for the next week or two weeks, I want you to meditate on the question, not actually sit down and meditate, but just like think about it. Sit on it. Yeah. Sit on the question of, can I still like myself if this thing doesn't change? Oh. Chances are yes, because like if you're good with yourself now and it hasn't changed, then okay. So if you're not able to track, for example, or if you have a huge block around tracking for whatever reason, but it's something that you feel like might help you, can you be okay with yourself if you don't ever figure it out? Dang. I know the answer is supposed to be yes. (laughs) But if it's not, it's a good idea to just sit with that. Yeah. Be like, if it's no, then 
why. Okay. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I'll record it. Oh, cool. And we'll meet back here in a week. We'll talk about it. (laughs) Sounds good. I have to meditate on what it would be like if I never got good at tracking. Yeah. Can you still like yourself? (laughs) What if if the answer is no? Yeah, some deeper work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we could do that. We could do an episode on that. I'll coach you on it. Um, Okay, is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, just to reiterate, like, go easy on yourselves. You know, the number of messages, you know, when I tell people, like, you don't have to change your behavior immediately and, like, you can take your time with it. And the number of messages I get of, like, oh, my God, that was groundbreaking. I'm like, it's not. It's not groundbreaking. And I so get it. I so, so, so get why that feels groundbreaking because you probably had parents who were like, you need to fix this thing now. Otherwise, you're in trouble. And then now as adults, it's like, we're going to get in trouble. Hey, family, producer Lynn here. You know that tracking experiment that Sophie and Whitney literally just talked about? So they did end up doing that, and we have the voice memos to prove it. So that's going to be our Patreon mini-sode for this week, which means if you are a patron at $7 or above, that's Team Paisley Momo, you will get a bonus mini-sode in your feed tomorrow with that little experiment. All right, that's all I had to say. And that's this Time Capsule episode. Producing SAF in the past, present, and future is made possible by our beloved patrons. If you join our Patreon at Team Paisley Moo, you'll get access to our patrons-only Facebook group where I've been doing weekly live streams, plus bonus minisodes every Friday. I love our Patreon family. Special thanks to Laura Rebecca, Janessa Brooke, Mary McAuliffe, Laureen Kim, Amy Gillespie, Elizabeth Cooper, Claire Pizarro, Liz Garrard, Grace Gorski, and MJ Van Steenberg, we could not make the show without you. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Khan, and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions at fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 213-375-5023 and we might even play it on the pod. Our episode ads are done in partnership with Acast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at acast.com. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish and our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Lynn Barbera co-produced and edited this episode. Yelly Cruz is our magical junior producer. Our thin crony forever is Maria Bertel. I'm our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe. We love you. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.